Welcome to Starting the Conversation. You're listening to episode number 255 of the podcast. My name's Alice Benham, and for this final episode of the year, I thought it might be interesting for me to share a few snippets of my 2023 review. Now, if you've listened to last week's episode, where I was talking all about how to conduct an end-of-year review, you will know that I feel very passionately about the fact that doing an end-of-year review isn't just a tick-box exercise. I feel like it's one of those tasks in business that can get a little bit glamorized, almost like, oh, that's a lovely way to end the year. Like, you know, sit with your notebook in a coffee shop and do some end of year reflection. And whilst I'm not against that, what I am for is doing an end of year review in a way that is gonna set your future self up for success. I don't do an end of year review just because it kind of makes me feel good or because it's a fun task to add to my to-do list. I do an end of year review because I really believe, and I don't just believe this, I've seen it in practice, that when we make time for reflection in our business, we help ourselves move forwards. Now I see this with not just an end of year review, but any type of review. Whether you're reviewing a project, a recent launch, something you've been doing differently in your business, perhaps a decision that you made a few months ago, or maybe just a week, a month or a quarter. Yes, it's fun to do a review at the very end of the year, but I think any moment of reflection is valuable because it helps us to notice the good things, to celebrate ourselves, to kind of have that moment of, you know, a affirming our confidence and our identity as business owners. It also helps us to kind of process and work through some of the perhaps more challenging things that might have happened and maybe give ourselves a bit of kind of closure or understanding around those situations. And all in all, I really think it helps us to move forwards in a more intentional way. For me, doing an end of year review is all about helping my future self. I know that in January, I'm gonna really utilize all of the reflections that I've had at the end of this year in the way that I'm then planning and setting myself up for the year that is to come. So if you're curious more about kind of how I recommend doing an end of year review and what questions you might want to ask yourself, go and listen to last week's episode because this one is just going to be me sharing a few snippets of what has shown up in my reflections around 2023. Now, I feel like I'm going to have to give this disclaimer as I begin recording this episode. My brain is slightly fried. (laughs) I'm just going to keep it real with you. It is Friday. It is 5 p.m. and I can quite confidently say I have had the biggest week in business that I have ever had. This week, I have hosted three Christmas parties for over 240 business owners across two cities in three days. My brain can't even kind of compute that summary, but that's what I've just lived this week. It's been the most incredible week. If you're thinking, Alice, what are you talking about? What are these Christmas parties? I run these events called Small Business. Started doing it a few years ago with my good friends, Ellie and Rachel. And then I've been, they've handed me the baton and and last year I ran it one event in London. And this year we took it up. I'm not even gonna say we took it up a level. I feel like we took it up about seven levels. And yeah, it was big. It was amazing. I am still kind of not really processing, I think, think what has happened this week. It was such a privilege to spend this week connecting with so many of you in person, facilitating moments of reflection and celebration, giving people an opportunity to connect with other business owners and kind of get out of the, you know, kind of loneliness that can sometimes come when you run a business. It has been an unbelievable week. I am so grateful, slightly bemused that this is my job and I get to call this work. And in all of that, I'm not gonna lie to you, I'm a little bit tired. (laughs) 
<laughs> why I've left this podcast to record as my final, final thing to do at the end of this very busy week. I'm not sure, but I'm giving you that disclaimer to say that if my brain seems a bit fried, if this is a little bit all over the place, please do excuse me. There's a reason why this episode is just a snippet of my end of year review. And that is because keeping it real here, I have not finished my end of year review, partly because I've struggled to make the time. It's been a very busy last couple of weeks, but also partly because I wanted to finish these events before I did my full end of year reflections. Usually in business, I find we're kind of slightly wrapped up by the time it gets to mid-December, but this end of the year for me has been sprinting till the end. Like I just didn't feel like I could fully reflect on the year until these events were finished because I knew that they were going to be such a big part of my year. I mean, like I said, it's like the biggest things I've ever done in business, I would say, is hosting these three events this week. So I'm still kind of in reflection mode. If you listen to last week's episode, you'll know that I don't sit down and do one big end of year review. I kind of take my time and piece it together. So yeah, I'm definitely not sharing today. Like here is absolutely everything I've reflected on this year because uh, I'm still figuring out all of my end of year reflections, but this is definitely a snippet. And I thought the way I could structure this would be by sharing three of my wins, three of my fails, and three of my lessons. It's not necessarily my biggest wins, my biggest fails and my biggest lessons, but just the three things in each category that came to mind when I was thinking about recording this episode. I'm not gonna lie to you, about 45 minutes ago, that was when I was writing out the notes. And I've actually stolen this format from my newsletter because if you don't know, I send out an email every single Wednesday and I share my high and my low. I share one good thing that's happening in my business that week and I share the lesson that I take from that win. And I also share my low of the week, something that's challenging, something that I failed at. And again, I share a lesson that's taken from that. And it's a format that allows me just to let you in on my business in such an easy, but still really honest way. I really, really love sending those emails. So side note, if you're not signed up and you want to receive my high, low and lesson every week, then I'll leave the link in the show notes. I mean, does it count as stealing if you've taken it from yourself? Probably not. Let's get into some of my wins of 2023. As my brain is in event mode, right now. I thought I would use that as my first win because I'm really, really proud of how many in-person things I have done this year. I was gonna say, if any of you remember my intentions for 2020, I don't expect any of you to remember my intentions for 2020. I don't think I can really remember my intentions for three years ago, but I entered 2020 with one clear intention being to really bring my business in person. I wanted to host a lot more events. I'd done my first retreat in 2019 and I'd kind of got the bug for like in-person connection. And then, you know, I'm not gonna have to over explain to any of you what happened in 2020 because that situation meant that that intention of being in person was um, not only hard but illegal and impossible. So that was kind of my goal three years ago and in the years since it's never been able to be too much of a focus because there's felt like there's been more kind of pressing or perhaps exciting ideas coming up but when I entered this year 2023 I was like okay I feel like this is the year to like really start bringing more stuff in person. I had hosted in-person stuff and events over the last three years. Um, my first small business event actually was in 2021. I did another small business event last year. I can't quite remember what other events I did last year, but I did a few like in-person workshops and bits, I think across 2022. But I really entered this year being like, okay, this is the year that the business really starts to do more kind of in-person stuff, A, because I really enjoy it. And I do think there's only so long that you can spend on Zoom before 
you feel like you're going slightly crazy. Um, and B, because I really believe as business owners, like virtual is great. It has so many pros, but there is something really, really special about being in person with people, whether you're gathering in person to learn, to co-work, to celebrate, to connect. I could just think great stuff happens when you're in the room with other inspiring, like-minded people. So I wanted to do more events and I would definitely say, especially after this week, that has been achieved because I've hosted two in-person strategy days like workshop strategy days this year. I took this podcast on tour in the spring and we did a big event in Manchester and also in London, which was very fun. And that was kind of my first like evening event I'd ever hosted, which I really enjoyed. And then, yeah, I did these three small business events, which I will say was not the intention. We intended to do two. One of them sold out in 20 minutes. So we added a third night. And yeah, I'm really, really proud of the way that I have created in-person offerings this year. Not just proud that I have done them, but proud that I have done them in a way that I think has worked really well. I think I've found something that works quite well for me. I like hosting. I like organizing. I've worked out that I need a sponsor in order to help the events even just break even. So that's been a good learning and experience. I think I definitely had the fear that, okay, does in-person events come hand in hand with a lack of profit? And whilst I am not gonna say that the events I've run this year have been very profitable, I did the numbers today for small business and whilst very, very small percentage of profit at the end, it's at least not a minus number, which is what I've seen in previous years. So that's my first win of the year is that I have hosted lots of in-person stuff this year and enjoyed it and felt like it went well. And that is then fueling next year because next year, even in January, actually, I'm hosting two in-person things. I'm doing a strategy day in London on the 18th to help lots of you plan out 2024. And then at the end of January, oh my gosh, I'm so excited for this. I'm hosting another retreat. I have not hosted a retreat in almost three and a half, four years. So I'm gonna be spending a week in Bath with in the most incredible venue with the most incredible business owner yeah, just having the best time. So that is definitely a snowball, which is gathering momentum because I think there's gonna be a lot more events happening in my business next year. So that is my first win of this year is that I've hosted some events. My second win of this year is that I have shifted where I'm spending my time and where I'm getting my income from away ever so slightly from one-to-one. When I entered this year, I had a very one-to-one model in terms of like, if you'd have a pie chart that showed where my income was coming from, where my time was being spent, one-to-one client work would be the vast majority of both of those pie charts. It would probably be around the kind of 80% mark. And that's always been a really intentional choice within my business. I love one-to-one. I've always seen it as the heart of what I do. I've always been very keen not to get rid of that. When in 2020, 2021, the whole thing was, you know, sell courses, stop doing one-to-one. I just knew that wasn't right for me. And I've always really, really fiercely protected my one-to-one work so that it stays at the heart of my business because it's what I think has the most impact in terms of what I do. I, I love it. I think I'm all right at it. So yeah, that was a big thing coming into this year. But as much as for all those reasons I've listed, it's something that I really love. I've always known in the back of my head, it was going to be what would limit the business's growth. Because the reality of one-to-one is that it is 
one-to-one. So from an income perspective, unless I want to spend nine hours a day on Zoom, Monday to Friday, which I'll be honest, at points earlier in the year, I was not far off that, you know, unless I want to spend way more time doing it, or I want to massively increase pricing, which I just don't feel comfortable with. I don't feel like higher price point one-to-one is is right for me at the moment. I just couldn't see how it was going to help me to grow. And whilst I'm talking there about growth in terms of revenue, really that wasn't the biggest thing for me. The biggest thing for me coming into this year was realizing that I was limiting my growth in terms of impact. I am so passionate about supporting and bringing together as many business owners as are willing to be involved in my business. Like the more the merrier. The more time that I was spending one-to-one, the more I realized actually I'm just really limiting the number of people that I can bring together, connect with, support, and yeah, help. And so I knew at the start of this year that one-to-one was gonna need to shift. I knew it was gonna need to take a tiny step back in order to allow some other things to take a step forwards. But I knew that was gonna be a transition that would be hard, more so mentally than practically. You know, practically how hard is it? I just say I've got less capacity and say no more. Mentally, that is not quite so easy though. I have a real comfort zone in one-to-one. I love it. It is something I really trust within my business. I feel very safe with the one-to-one led model. And so I knew there was gonna be a lot of resistance, but I can proudly say as I wrap up 2023, I've definitely started to balance things out a bit more. If I were now to share a pie chart of where my time is being spent and how my revenue is being made, I would say that one-to-one is now around the kind of 50% mark. And that is still quite a high percentage particularly for a business model like mine, which has so many different elements within it. If you think about the other 50%, basically being all of the other things that I do. So events, this podcast, speaking, brand partnerships, courses, workshops, like that's not still very high percentages for each of those individual things, but that is a big shift for me in basically kind of halving the amount of one-to-one that I'm doing. That's been a change that really clicked into place actually quite recently. It was in September that I made the practical changes I needed to to lower my capacity and whilst it's a transition that I'm continuing to find difficult because of those reasons that I listed you know it's a comfort zone and there's always that fear in the back of my head of what if this is the worst thing for my business and what if I'm you know saying no to work that then in the future I'm I'm not going to be able to replace in other ways but like any transition I think it's about trusting the process trusting yourself and knowing that at the end of the day you can always go backwards if you need to and you know go back to what you had before so for me is a real win as I wrap up the year is saying that yes, actually, when I even look at my schedule, I am spending less time doing one-to-one. And that is meaning that A, I can bring more then to the one-to-one work that I am doing and give those people the best experience possible. But B, I'm then able to spend energy and time and really good headspace on the other things that are important to me. If my one-to-one capacity was at its kind of normal point where it's basically like, you know, three days a week, I'm on Zoom all day, there is no way I would have been able to host the events this week or if I had, it would have been really, really hard and draining because I would have been trying to jump between the two. And so I can already see the benefits of making that difficult change. And I'm sure as I head into next year, this change is going to continue to be implemented. My end goal is not for one-to-one to go completely because like I said, I love it. I really do see it as the heart of my business, but I'm probably aiming to get it a little bit more to the kind of 30% mark. So I'm on the way there. And if you're a client listening, I just want you to know I adore working one-to-one. And actually, I think my reluctancy to make this change any 
sooner, when in reality I probably should have done this years ago, is purely because I just love the work so much. So it's hard, isn't it, when you run a business and you love so many things, but that is a privilege, isn't it, that, you know, I enjoy so many bits, it's hard to know where to spend my time. So anyway, that is another win of this year, is that I have shifted where I'm spending my time and the way I'm making money in my business. I've reduced one-to-one slightly, and whilst that is sad, what's happy is what that has then allowed me to do and how sustainably, I should add, it's allowed me to do those other things because usually when one-to-one was so full on, I had to use my evenings and weekends to do all the other stuff. Whereas actually now I have time in the day to do these other things, which is honestly slightly groundbreaking for me. (laughs) It's wild. And then my third and final win that I'm gonna share today is that this year I really feel like my eyes have been opened to the different opportunities available to me within my business. 2023, if I had to sum it up in terms of kind of how it's changed my my thinking or, you know, kind of how I'm operating as a business owner, I would definitely say that it's been a year of kind of opening my eyes. And I need to find what word sums that up. If you can think of a word, please let me know. I don't quite think it's like awakening, but I don't know. It's almost the year where I think I've realized actually what is potentially available to me or perhaps what could happen with the business long term. What I mean by this is I think when I entered the year, I had probably what it was in hindsight quite a small vision for the business. And I don't mean small in a bad way. I'm really anti that, you know, thinking of like small is bad and big is good. I just describe it as small in the sense of it was very similar to what I had. You know, I was thinking, okay, this business, I'm going to be doing one-to-one and maybe some courses and maybe the craziest it gets is that I'll host a couple of events. But actually, as I entered the year, I just feel like my vision has gotten so much bigger. And the biggest reason for that, I think, is because I've been shown what's possible. It is really hard to want what you don't even know is possible for you. And I have just been so, so incredibly fortunate with some of the opportunities that have come my way this year to realize, oh, actually, I could like maybe do some big stuff, like bigger than maybe what I thought was possible. To give you a few examples of things that have really kind of opened my eyes this year, I think the first thing has been realizing what's possible in terms of event speaking. I haven't actually done a ton of speaking this year, but the speaking events that I have done have genuinely blown my mind from the sense of like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know opportunities like this existed, let alone I might be someone that might be offered it. The big event that comes to mind is when I spoke earlier this year at MailChimp's conference. I spoke at their first ever conference in the UK in the green room with me where people like Louis Theroux, Stephen Bartlett, Andy Murray, Grace Beverly, and then there's little old me like, what? Well, I should say probably little young me compared to them, but you know, it was absolutely wild. And it was wild, not just because of the people I was sharing a stage with, but also wild in the sense of realizing the money that you can make doing public speaking really transparently. I have always charged, you know, like one, 200 pounds to do a talk. The budgets that I've seen this year at some events, I'm like, okay, wow, this this is wild. Um, And it was also wild just realizing like maybe these are rooms that I could be in. I don't think I even realized rooms like that existed, let alone that I might be able to be in them. So that was an absolutely surreal opportunity. And one that I think has really made me realize how much I love speaking. I've always known I've loved speaking actually, but I think it made me realize, oh, maybe I could actually also be paid to be a speaker and that would be genuinely my dream. So that really opened my eyes. I think another thing that's really opened my eyes this year is I've worked with quite a few brands this year, which I haven't 
done previously. I think I'd maybe done one brand partnership, maybe a couple of podcast ads in 2022. And then this year, I've not necessarily done a huge amount. It's probably been four or five. The level of brand partnerships has definitely gone up this year. Like the brands I've been able to work with have been incredible. Like household names like BT. How wild is that? When they emailed me, I thought it was a scam because I was like, surely it's not actual BT. But yeah, just kind of getting to work with brands like that, realizing what you can create together. Again, just being transparent, like realizing how much of a revenue stream that can be if you utilize it in the right way. Again, just really opened my eyes. Now, unlike speaking, I don't think that's one that I'm going to massively capitalize on in future. It was an interesting experience and definitely has helped me to realize what could be out there if I wanted to go in that direction. But yeah, I'm not like desperate to do a ton more brand partnerships, but definitely those experiences this year have made me realize like, oh, okay, there is like opportunities out there and and maybe they might be for the taking. So yeah, that's just a couple of examples, but there's been some great moments this year where I've genuinely thought I'm being scammed or someone's lying to me because what I'm being offered just sounds so outside of what I even dreamed I could do. And I'm so, so grateful for that. And I think those experiences really help you to see what's out there because like I said, it's really hard to want what you don't even know is possible. So that's my third win of the year is I feel like I have had my eyes opened to what might be possible, to what I might be able to achieve. And I find that really, really exciting and a a huge privilege as well. So those are three wins that I wanted to share with you. Let's get on to the juicy stuff, some of my fails of the year. And I should say, when I say fails, I just interpret this as like the things that didn't feel so good because you might hear a couple of these and think, "Uh, I don't know if that's a fail, Alice. Like that sounds more like a weird, you know, whatever. But to me, when I think about fails, I just think what this year would I not want to repeat in the same way? What happened that I look back at and go, actually, I don't feel good about the way that happened or how that felt. Um, What things do I want to really analyze and learn from? Because to me, that's the point of thinking about the bad stuff. You know, thinking about the good stuff is great, right? It makes you feel good. It builds your confidence. It makes you see how well you've done. I think we need to celebrate ourselves as business owners. Looking at the bad stuff is not about doing the opposite. It's not about beating yourself up or being overly critical. I think looking at the bad stuff is all about learning. From my perspective, as long as you learn from something, it doesn't have to be a waste of time or energy. If I were to repeat a lot of these fails year on year, absolutely. That is now genuinely like a bad thing that's happening. But actually just going, okay, something happened this year and it didn't feel so good, but here's why I think it didn't feel so good. And maybe here's how I do that differently moving forward. I think that is making the most out of every situation and and helping you to move forwards in the best way possible. So my first fail of the year And this is definitely a win, but it's like a fail of that win. It's about my book. (laughs) Obviously a win of this year is that I I wrote my book. It actually went to print this week, which is very exciting. They sent me an email whilst I was driving from London to Manchester for the event saying, we've just sent it to print, how exciting. And I just kind of skim read it and was like, okay, well, I'm hosting some events. So bye, I'll look at that later. And if I'm honest with you, that kind of sums up how the process of writing the book has felt in the sense of, I just don't feel and I think I'm still processing this. I don't know that I've got the right words for this, but I just don't really feel like I enjoyed the process as much as I could have. And I don't know if that's me being unfair on myself because I don't even know if it was possible for me to enjoy the process because maybe writing and that process just isn't something that I enjoy. But I can definitely say from this experience, like I haven't loved it. And I think past loving it, I don't really feel like I took it in. Like that moment when they emailed me saying your book is going to print. I don't know, I feel like, 
I, in an ideal world, you have a moment then to like take that in and celebrate that and acknowledge that. But this whole year, the book has kind of felt like the extra project on the list that it just pushes my capacity over the edge. And I don't put that blame on anyone but myself because I said yes to writing this book. I knew the timelines. I didn't know what would be involved, but I don't think you ever do, do you, when you do something for the first time? And I've heard from so many of my friends who are authors as well that they had a similar experience of just like, you have no clue how much is involved until you do it. And it has been so much more draining and time consuming than I ever expected. And so whilst I don't want to sound negative, like I'm so grateful to have been given a book deal. And when the book comes out next year, I know I'm going to be so excited, but it has just felt like a really hard project. As someone who's used to kind of doing all of my own projects, I think it was expected it was going to kind of feel like I was doing my own thing and like in control, but actually with a, with a big publisher, it, it obviously isn't going to feel that way because you are part of their process and their system. I just don't think I enjoyed it as much as I could have. And I think a huge part of that was down to a lack of expectations. I didn't know how much it would take or what that process would look like. Maybe if I had, I would have planned for it better. I expected it would be less time and less energy and and shorter. And so I just didn't really make the time for it. Like I will put my hands up in the air. Like this is not on my publishers or anyone that I've worked with in this process. This is on me. And I don't want to be too unfair on myself because like I said, I didn't really know what to expect. But I, if I were to write a book again, which I'm sure I will. I would love to write another book. I think it's a huge privilege and, you know, granted this one doesn't go horribly when it goes on sale. I'm sure I'd love, I will write one again. But if I wrote one again, I know that I would make so much more space in my schedule and my workload so that I could give it the headspace and the time that it really deserves. That's what I kind of regret is that I don't feel like it had enough space in my brain or in my schedule for me to really bring my best to the process. And that's not something that I like to admit, especially not publicly on a podcast to thousands of people that I'm going to ask to buy my book next year. Clarify, I think it's a great book. People have reviewed it. They think it's good. But like, you know, and you just feel like it's all a little bit of a rush. And even if it's a rush and it's still great, I don't enjoy the process of rushing. That's a bit of a vulnerable one. Please be kind to me on that fail. I don't want it to come across like I'm ungrateful. I'm so, so honored to have been offered a book deal. And it really is like a, you know, vision board kind of opportunity. But my second fail of the year, something quite interesting about sitting down on a podcast and just telling people about all the things you're not happy with about your year. Can't tell if this is cathartic or whatever else, but there we go. My second fail of the year is I have absolutely dropped balls this year. (laughs) I just heard how that said as I said it. No, I am not a male going through puberty. Um, I am someone who has too much on their plate and not enough processes or people to help with all of those things. There has been a lot happening this year. Writing the book, one-to-one client work, course launches, brand partnerships, speaking at events, hosting my own events, running my stationery shop. There's definitely more things that I can't even think at the moment to add to that list, running this podcast. Um, This year has been a lot. There's been so many different things happening. All of those things have been a choice. I've loved every single one, some to different degrees, degrees, like I just said with the book. But um, all of those things have been things I've wanted to do, but I think I may have overcommitted. I'm sure we're all rolling our eyes right now, but I feel like that is just the way it is, isn't it? You feel like we're always kind of pushing ourselves to more than perhaps we can actually do. And whilst I think that is in some ways an honorable trait, and I definitely think that's what keeps me growing and pushing for more, there's definitely been moments this year where I have dropped balls that I did not want to drop. There is a quote that I 
absolutely love, which I always think about when I'm reflecting on my capacity and my schedule. And it is this quote, which is, the key to juggling is to know that some of the balls are made of plastic and some are made of glass. That is a quote by Nora Roberts. And it's something I always think about in the context of being kind of overwhelmed and busy because so often we have, you know, tons of things quote unquote to do, but there is obviously a prioritization within that where some of those to-dos are truly urgent and truly important, but some of those things are perhaps not so much. Now, there are absolutely times in my business where I drop balls that are made of plastic and I'm like, cool, that's fine. That's all right. That, you know, how do we make sure we don't do that again? But you know what? That's cool. That's just the way it is. Those moments I'm okay with. The moments I'm less okay with, which I've absolutely had this year, hands up, are moments where I drop balls that are made of glass. And when I drop balls made of glass, I need to pay attention because that, if I do it consistently, is going to be really bad for the business long term. Now, when I talk about balls that are made of glass, for me and my business, that's anything that's related to, you know, the people that my business helps. So whether that's not staying on top of my email, or dropping a piece of admin that's important to one of my clients or not getting back to someone soon enough or making a silly mistake. I don't know. I'm not doing these things all the time, but there's definitely been a few moments this year where I found myself apologizing as I should and realizing the only reason that I'm having to apologize is because I have overcommitted and I do not have the processes or the people in place to help with those commitments. This year has been a big realization for me of actually if I want to keep growing at this rate, it cannot keep being a company of one. And to me, that's kind of a big decision as I head into next year of like, okay, if I'm a company of one and that's what I really want and I want it to stay simple and just me, I need to think very carefully about what my goals and visions are and whether they are doable because I'm not interested in growth if I have to drop glass balls in order to achieve that growth. Because I am very aware in my business that if I start consistently forgetting the things that are so important, my clients, my customers, my community, my students, my business won't be here long-term. There's no point pursuing growth if it means that I forget important things in the process because those important things are what keeps my business healthy long-term. So definite realization for me this year and something I'm just not as super proud of. Like there have been moments this year where I have not been as on top of my workload as I would want to. Because of that, it has had, you know, very, very minor, but you know, an impact on my team or the people that I'm working with. And that is not something I want to do. I take huge pride in my speed of work and my work ethic and the way that I work with other people. I do not like making a promise or setting an expectation and not exceeding that. So that is my my second fail of this year is honestly just feeling like I haven't met all of the expectations that I've set for myself in the areas that I really care about. So definite realization within that, that I need to think about what I do moving forwards and getting more help is something I've begun actioning in Q4 and really seen the benefit from. So yeah, that's definitely what I need to think about next year. And it's also about the processes. I think probably about time I upgraded some of my uh, internal processes and systems to really facilitate the level of growth and kind of level of stuff that is happening in my business at the moment. So, and then my third fail of the year, just on the topic of being overwhelmed, is that running a second business has been really hard. Running a second business with the expectations that it's going to succeed as quickly and as much as your first business, that's what's been really hard. If you don't know, a few years ago, I started a stationary brand called On Paper. It is all about productivity and organization and goal setting. And it's a range of paper stationery, as the name suggests, to really help you to take action, stay organized, organize your time, etc., etc. 
cetera. I love that business. I set it up with all of the biggest goals and dreams in the world. So optimistic, but it has been tough pretty much ever since the day that I launched it to really make time to grow it and give it the attention and kind of action that it deserves. This is a fail that was kind of right at the start of this year, actually, I'd say. It doesn't feel so present right now, but yeah, I definitely had moments at the start of this year where I had to ask myself some really kind of big questions of like, what are we doing with the second business? Because there were moments earlier in the year where it just felt like it was a source of frustration and disappointment. And I was just beating myself up for not doing more with it, but then not really being able to do more with it. It was a vicious cycle. So that was definitely a fail towards the start of this year was just struggling to give it the time and energy that it deserved. And I'd say the biggest thing that I took from that was that I needed to then adjust my goals and expectations within it. Because reality is my capacity is very limited for that second business because Alice Benham Limited is so full on. So I kind of adjusted my expectations, allowed myself to think of it in maybe a a smaller, more simple way for now. And actually from that, things have felt much better. I have actually also merged the companies from a legal and financial perspective because that was one of the things that was proving to be really complex and time consuming was keeping the two very connected. So yeah, that was something that I did to help simplify things as well. But that has been my kind of third challenge of the year is running two businesses at once is not easy. As you'll have heard Steph from Fuck Being Humble talk about in a couple of episodes back, she was very honest about her experience of starting a second business. And honestly, that gave me so much comfort because that has been something I've struggled with ever since I started on paper. But yeah, definitely kind of in the first half of this year, that was a fail that I kept coming up against. And then I like, said made a few changes that I think have made a real difference there. Those are some of my fails. Let's round this off by sharing three of the lessons that I feel I've really learned this year. As I said right at the start of this episode these are not like my three biggest of any of these things but these are just three lessons that came to mind when I thought about you know based on those wins and fails and what the year's held kind of what I feel like I'm leaving the year with in terms of clarity and understanding. So the first lesson I think I've learned this year is that I do really want to scale this business. If you are unfamiliar, a few years ago, I went VAT registered and had quite a challenging experience of scaling my business past that 85K point in terms of revenue. I then made the decision to scale back and stay under the VAT threshold for a little while. And it was earlier in this year when I went re-VAT registered, kind of allowed my business then to push past that threshold. Now, I was very, very curious going into that registration point about whether I was gonna have a similar experience and go, yeah, actually, do you know what? 80K is good for me let's keep the business there and you know experiment with other ways to grow or whether perhaps I'd had the opposite experience whilst it hasn't been plain sailing but you know growth and scaling never is I can definitely say a good what is it now kind of four months into being VAT registered I do want to scale this business I feel ready and able to push this business to its next level and whilst you know in terms of VAT that is talking from the position of revenue I see revenue as just a representation of of all of the other things growing as well. So for me, that's about scaling uh, how many people I help, the depth to which I help those people with, scaling the number of things that I'm able to do within my business, the quality and the detailedness, not a word, um, of those things that I do, the execution, the speed, all of those things. I want all of the numbers to go up. First time in a long time, I feel really excited about scaling and I feel very capable actually of that scaling. Does it scare me? Yes. Am I 100% sure that I can achieve it? No. But I think the last four months, I have seen my business 
in scaling mode. And whilst it hasn't been easy and there's been a lot of growing pains and, and I've had to fail quick and learn quick and make big changes, I've really enjoyed it. And my business has proved to me that it can scale. I'm curious to continue that. So that's a great thing to feel that I've kind of got from this year. And if you are curious to hear more about my experience of really pushing my business over the last few months, I did actually release an episode a few weeks ago about really, really pushing my business in October. We 10 x revenue, which was madness. So if you want to learn more about that experience, then go and have a listen to that episode. But yeah, that's my kind of first lesson that stands out from the year is that I do want to scale this business going past that VAT threshold, keep taking things to the next level. But I will say there's a big old, you know, brackets next to that lesson, which is that I need help if I'm going to scale. The next level for my business is not just more, you know, people and impact and money and projects, but it also needs to be more help. So whether that is help from people and team, whether that is help from better processes and systems, all of those things are going to need to improve if I'm going to continue scaling sustainably. So my second lesson of the year that I want to share with you is that my business has a lot of potential outside of one-to-one. Now, this kind of links to the win that I shared earlier of kind of having my eyes opened to all of the other things that I can do within my business, whether that be partnering with brands or doing event speaking or hosting my own events with sponsors. I've definitely realized this year that actually my business model in the long term is probably going to look very different to how it did at the start of this year. Because yeah, for a lot of the reasons that I shared earlier, I think my vision is starting to get wider and bigger. So that's really nice to feel like there's that kind of lesson and and confidence there that, you know, in business, we never have 100% confidence, do we, that what we want is going to be possible. But I think I've had some good moments of evidence this year that have made me realize, okay, yeah, there is lots of potential here. I'm maybe not going to be spending three days a week forever on Zoom calls doing one-to-one whilst that would still make me very happy. Yeah, maybe there is some potential for it to look different to that. And I'm curious to continue exploring that potential. So that is my second lesson of the year. And that's a lesson that I count myself really, really fortunate and privileged to have because there's definitely been years in business where I've ended the year not feeling that optimistic about the potential of the business and actually feeling quite unsure about what might be next and feeling like there was kind of, you know, not really any of that traction there. So I count myself, yeah, really fortunate to be able to kind of say that as I close the year because I'm very aware there'll be seasons in business coming up where it doesn't feel that way. So yeah, that's my second lesson. And then my third lesson of the year, the final thing I want to share with you in this episode, and I couldn't not have this as a lesson. This is what stood out to me the second that I started thinking about lessons of the year, uh, particularly at the end of this week, is that I am surrounded by the best people. And when I say people, I mean everyone from my clients to you listening to this podcast, to my team, to the people that help me on a freelance basis, to my network and my friends in business, to the people that are in my wider community that open my emails or follow me on LinkedIn or Instagram, to the brands that I partner with, like genuinely every single person that is in my little world, that is hanging about in my corner of the internet, in in Alice Benham Limited Land, and they are just the best people. And I am not just saying that for the sake of it. I'm saying that because I have had some incredible experiences this week. And I'm not just saying that to, you know, 
be nice to you or say something kind. I'm saying that because this week I have had hundreds of moments where I've thought, oh my gosh, I'm surrounded by the best people. The events this week have meant I've interacted with so many people, whether that was people attending the events, the team that worked with me on it, the the vendors and the suppliers that we worked with, the, you know, the venue hosts that looked after us. All of the people that I have come across this week have just been so fantastic, so kind, so generous, so friendly, so value driven, so supportive, so with me on the vision to help business owners. And I count myself so incredibly lucky to be able to say that because in business, people are everything. My team, my community, my network, like they are the people that make my business what it is. And that's the one thing I can't control. I had that feeling at the start of every single event before anyone turned up. I was like, I can't control who comes here. I can control, you know, the format of the evening and the timings and what we prepare. But ultimately, if there's not good people in the room, this is a rubbish event. And every single evening, I then looked around the room about half an hour later and went, oh, phew, okay, the best people are here. Every single person at that event was so kind and inspiring and generous and supportive and helpful and just everything that I would dream a community to be. And I'm just so thankful for that. I'm so, so thankful for that because yeah, that's what makes my business run. And that's also what makes it so enjoyable to run this business. And it's why I wanna do so many of the things that I wanna do. So I wanna end on that note. A, because that is a big lesson that I've learned this year and definitely been reminded of this week. And B, because I want to take that moment then to say thank you to you. Even if this is the first podcast episode of mine you've ever listened to, thank you. Whatever role you've played in my community this year, whether you've been a client or a student, whether you've opened my emails, whether you've come to one of my events, whether you've just listened to one episode of this podcast, whether you've told a friend about me or, you know, supported or cheered me on in some way. Hey, even if you've trolled me, you've given me thicker skin. So cheers for that as well. (laughs) Um, Thank you. Genuinely, genuinely, thank you. I don't want this to sound insincere in any way. And I don't really know that I have the right words to say thank you, but I just want you to know I see you and I appreciate you. And I count myself lucky every single day that I get to call this a job. I had so many pinch me moments this week looking around those rooms and going, gosh, I quit school nine years ago because I wanted more. I never, never dreamt though that this was what I was going to be able to create. And it really, really is a team effort. And so I just want to thank you for that. Thanks for being a part of this world. Thank you to my editor, M, who has edited probably over now, M, what, about like 100 episodes plus of this podcast. I'm just incredibly grateful. So without this sounding too much like an Oscar speech, I will wrap the podcast up here. I really hope you've enjoyed getting a bit of an inside listen to my 2023 review. I'm sure I'll be sharing more about my 2024 plans and goals in the new year, as I always do, uh, to kick off the podcast at the start of the year. So make sure to follow or subscribe wherever you're listening to this um, so that you don't miss out on that. But as we wrap up 2023, I just want to say, I hope whatever kind of year you've had, you feel proud of yourself. Ending the year with a business in tow, whatever the year has held is a huge, huge achievement. So whether your wins have been external and big and shiny or perhaps more internal and the year has felt like more of a challenging one, I really hope you take a moment to acknowledge everything that you've achieved this year and you take a moment to celebrate yourself for that. Um, Have the best winter break enjoy hopefully having a bit of rest and a bit of time to step back I will be back in your ears in January so until then I just want you to know you have done an incredible job to continue running a business in 2023 it's no small feat to run a business these days so yeah incredible work have a good break and I'll be back in your ears very soon goodbye for a final time in 2023